This is Thinking Out Loud with Dr. Joe Courier. Episode two, The Warrior, The Philosopher, and The Frog. Welcome to Thinking Out Loud with Dr. Joe Courier. My name's Andrew J. Mason, and this is the show where we hit the pause button on life head to the locker room for some life-changing halftime inspiration, and then zoom back in and grab the tactics direct from Dr. Joe's playbook to pull it all together when we're on the field. Each week, we'll hit a different topic, and today we're actually extending on episode one. Uh, If you missed it, we talked all about uncertainty and our canned human responses, fight, flight, and now our newly discovered third option, flow. And here's Dr. Joe with three roles that fill into that idea. The warrior, the philosopher, and the frog. You know, in a recent podcast, it was suggested that that a lot of folks hold a hero adventure story in their mind. Someone somewhere is on the verge of developing a vaccine to put out this epidemic fire, this pandemic fire. And um, there's no question One of the questions is that what if you and I could think of other psychosocial vaccines to dampen the damage of the impact of this virus and future viruses? While the scientists are working, we can get to work also and help better manage the impact of uncertainty, change, and isolation. We've talked about the historic fight-flight reaction and believe that we have a third antibody that we can fight flee, or with this third antibody, we can flow. And I'd like to share some thoughts on a type of inoculation to expand our capacity to flow. Key forces that allow our authentic self to thrive under very difficult situations. So instead of asking our listening partners to imagine a vaccine to halt the impact of any virus, I would rather demonstrate how imagination is the vaccine. Imagination is not make-believe. Please hold on to those two words. It's not make-believe, as in a Disney fairy tale, some type of fantasy. Instead, it is, here comes the two words, make-believe, as in the power to make things happen positive forces in the face of a tsunami of negativity. Imagination is the mind making believe and the body responding. You know, beginning with the child's story, the little engine that could, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. One has to wonder how many children have laid in bed listening to the encouraging story about believing in your own self. Or adults have listened to the success wisdom of business giants like Andrew Carnegie, who said, when you believe you can or believe you can't, you're always right. Again, focusing on the power of positive thinking. So in the spirit of imagination is a mind-body vaccine that can focus the power of the chi, we've got to get busy. Now, chi is a vital force of nature. It's an ancient term, thousands of years old, and it translates into the word energy. 
It is our life force, our energy flow. And qi is an essential underlying principle in both the medicine, as our scientists get cranking, as well as, by the way, the martial arts. So I use it as a center of the relaxation triangle, a model that I use. And it says that there are three critical dynamic forces. First, stop action. At the very top of the triangle is a big red stop sign. It wants us to stop our thoughts and our behaviors for just a moment. At the solid base of the triangle is the body-mind vaccine. Belly breathing is the body force. Four-cycle healing breath. And mind matrix, the other side of the lower part of the triangle, is the psychological component. And matrix is the connective relationship, kind of like connective tissue in the body. But in this time, it's the different parts of the authentic self that we're trying to connect here. So as we look at the inoculation to build a healthier self in the face of pandemics and beyond, we face the warrior, the philosopher, and the frog. They're representations of my whole self. And as I develop along the needs hierarchy, Maslow's term, needs, human needs, I go from safety and satisfaction to affiliation and expression to mission and purpose. Now, I've said in a poetic sense, and asked for a little leeway here, that I use pens to write life epics. One's pens are our choices. Choices I make in the mindset matrix. Again, simply pathways. Three potential pathways. The way of the warrior, the philosopher, or the frog. The warrior is about safety, affiliation, and expression. There are times that we defend and care front, as in karate. Other times, in the warrior stand, we give way in order to unite the patience of partnership, as in Tai Chi. And the third part of this warrior stance is to strive for authenticity. Keeping the main thing the main thing. My dear friend, Dr. Les Frankfurt, a survivor of the Holocaust, told me that in the darkest days, when he was in the camps, he would look for the least bit of sunlight early in the morning, and he would try and face that sun, and he told me that he would raise his hands in his arms, and he would say to himself in his mind, I stand tall, I stand whole, I stand well, and I stand free. The warrior has to go to war at times, combat, yes, like our ER physicians. But the warrior itself is an outward-facing role that we play. We lead, we follow, but we do not hide. We have power and authority at times with rank and role, but whenever possible, we give those to other people and we use influence as our prerogative. Whenever possible, we do no harm. We're here to promote healing, which leads us to the second role or the second pathway, the philosopher. Philosophy is around creating a map, the motivation and purpose, M-A-P, motivation, why I do what I do. And the second level of that is my purpose, mission, strategy, the principles I live by. 
And the philosopher first connects the dots, understanding what, then so what, now what. The marker events, the what has happened in my life, has shaped my beliefs, my attitudes, my behaviors. The at-risk point here is we also sometimes model the behavior of significant people in our marker events. Good people who meant well, but may have under or overreacted in their role as parent, coach, teacher, whatever it might be. What? The marker events. So what? Again, the beliefs, the habits, behaviors lead to now what? How I show up in my next event. But the philosopher asks, does it serve us on our way? Do we keep the main thing the main thing? Do we know what the main thing is? I have worked on my life mission for many years and continue to try to not only to further understand and define it, but also to focus it. And my mission is to live mindfully in the service of others. Again, we have the warrior, the philosopher, and frankly, a frog. It's a part of us, the part that leaps from uncertainty to chaos, that at times looks for avoidance, the chameleon impact, what others expect. We shape ourselves to meet the expectation to please others. At times, as the frog, we will not lead. When we don't follow, we hide. And vulnerability is a bad word. We don't show our vulnerability. The important point of these three pathways or roles, they're like hats that we wear. The question is, is it the right hat and the right voice? We've talked about this in another version, which is in business or in the family, where we look at the roles of the expert, the manager, and the leader, whether at home or at work, knowing the role that best aligns with the task and the event. Do we use positive versus negative expressions of the role? And do we align the hat with the voice? You know, we will see parents at time who are trying to lead within the family. Leadership is around connecting in terms of showing the way, listening, seeing where an individual is coming from so that we can build a bridge rather than burn bridges. When we bring a harsh voice in and hold a person highly accountable, we are now taking off the hat of the leader and leading into the voice of a manager. It's a different voice not a bad voice. We will talk more about this version of right voice with the right hat. But for now, let me just simply say that imagination is a vaccine to halt any virus. The three parts to create this inner balance called chi, this flow, keeping ourselves in terms of the healthy and healing flow under good times and in bad. There are three parts to this. At the top is the stop action, like seeing a stop sign and saying stop. Next is belly breathing. Four cycles of healing, breathing in slowly, pausing, and then exhaling and letting it go. Opening your mind's eyes to see through the eyes of the warrior when necessary, the philosopher always, and being careful to watch for the frog it's human, but it's not okay. You and I can do better. What if we could inoculate ourselves against this stress? We can do that. There's a time to fight and flee in the short term, but in the long term, 
you and I need to be ready to flow. Dr. Joe, I love uh, that we get to have this time and zoom in from the inspiration down to the practical, tactical level, we like to call it. And uh, one of the things that you mentioned before we started our conversation was that there is a just a secret weapon that aids in the fight of all of, uh, against all of this uncertainty. Uh, and I'd like for you to maybe talk about laughter and what laughter's role is in all of this. Absolutely. One of the methodologies that we're asking people to look at in terms of the adaptation energy is a question around comic vision. It's not necessarily being funny, but can you see funny? You know, one of the things that happens under distress is we tend to look at half empty and the pessimistic sides of things. You know, there's a fellow named Dr. Patch Adams. I had the privilege of working with him many, many years ago. Robin Williams did a movie about him. And he said, once people laugh, they're open. And once they're open, miracles happen. The question around comic vision is, it's not even just by the way, true laughter, laughter. It's a matter of looking at a child's face. I had been struggling with some real issues medically, and my wife sent me this picture of this little infant with a pug near it. And she said to me, here's your hug for the day. And every time I looked at this beautiful little baby liner with this pug and different, you know, little scenes that a, a dog and a child can have, I couldn't help but laugh. And by the way, every time I laugh, it's factual. My white blood cell count goes up. So I'm actually have an army of fighters inside of me with a giggle and a hug. So I look for opportunities. When I was going to have my prostate out, I had prostate cancer, I had a party and I wrote a poem and I said, come on over, I'm going to say goodbye to my prostate. And I wrote the ode to my prostate, goodbye old friend. And I gave everybody plastic gloves, by the way, I didn't let them use them. But what else can one do when they're going into battle? The doctors who had to be well, I had to make sure that I could have some type of joy and peace inside of myself because laughter is part of that. And again, how is your laugh life? And again, do you have comic vision? Are you seeing funny? It's there. It's there. Dr. Joe, if I may even just push back a little bit, I can even hear our audience members, some of them saying, okay, yeah, I understand. Laughing's great. That's wonderful. But why be so passionate about this topic? I mean, it, it, to you, it sounds like it's more than just a nice to have. Humor is hazardous to an illness. Humor is actually an anecdote against getting ill. Like I say, there's a connection between joy, laughter, that deep inner peace, and what happens in our white blood cell counts. You hear the negative news, it takes the white blood cell counts when I need this army to go to war for me. It diminishes, it weakens them. So laughter, oh my heavens, it's one of the best medicines. There's a phenomenal book by a gentleman named Dr. Bernie Siegel, Love, Medicine, and Miracles. You know, love has a magic to it. Medicine, yes. But the laughter, keeping a frame of mind, things may happen and they're going to happen, but how I manage them and how I surround myself with healthy people who are going to keep me focused on the main thing going forward, the rosier and the better times, it diminishes my pain, it heals the body and boy, oh boy, it, it creates this inner spirit. It's just so powerful. Okay, so I can buy that. If laughter is so important then, and there's so much research saying this is a positive thing. Why aren't more people doing this? 
Andrew, at every moment, you and I face choices. And here's one of the things I tell people, and I tell them, I know you're not going to be happy with what I'm saying and may even say I'm full of baloney. And that is in most situations, people choose to suffer. They don't choose to live authentically. They repeat the past. They tend to be defensive and make excuses. They refuse to take reasonable risks. They make the irrational rational. They make up stories in their mind that are catastrophic versus living authentically. It starts out by experiencing some degree of pain because change can be stressful. You know, it doesn't all of a sudden have a magic wand to it. It takes some inner trust here and a belief that I can lower that distress and I'm going to open the doors to new possibilities. It's a world of possibilities. Thank you so much, Dr. Joe. And thank you for sharing with us the importance of laughter. I mean, I don't think that can be understated. Uh, I think it's a perfect spot for us to leave today's episode. I hope so, because again, it's uh, been a real friend to me and it's helped me on my 75 plus years through good times and in bad. Thank you, Dr. Joe. And thank you for being so generous with your time with us today. And our thanks to all of you for listening as well. Uh, We are so honored by how the first episode was received. And uh, if you would, uh, we'd love it if you would just continue to subscribe, like, share, uh, anything that you can do to get the word out about this wisdom that Dr. Joe is sharing with the world. It's so important. And until next time, this was Thinking Out Loud with Dr. Joe Courier. Leadership transformation, growth acceleration. Acceleration.